Welcome to Neighbor to Neighbor, a podcast focused on highlighting extraordinary individuals and organizations making an impact in our community. Neighbor to Neighbor is produced by WeQ, a not-for-profit cooperative credit union based in Bellingham, Washington. One of the most amazing parts about living in our corner of the country is the geography. On one side, we have the ocean. On the other, the mountains. This unique nestling of our community right smack dab in the middle between the two means that we live in an outdoor enthusiast playground. I was able to speak to Eric Brown, a curator of one of our most loved playgrounds. He's the executive director of the Whatcom Mountain Bike Coalition, or WMBC. Well, thank you for taking the time to join me today. Why don't you start by telling us who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Eric Brown, and I'm the executive director for the Whatcom Mountain Bike Coalition. We are a uh, local organization that's mission is to preserve and enhance non-motorized trail access in Whatcom County, and that we do that through three avenues, um, education, stewardship, and advocacy. That's a lot to unpack. Yeah. So essentially, you work with the mountain bike trails and everything mountain bikes in Whatcom County. Correct. We're mountain bike centric. Obviously, we're all mountain bikers. Our board is all mountain bikers, but we all do everything. We all hike. We all run. We use the trails. Um, we're multimodal, effectively. You know, not everyone just rides their bikes. Um, and, you know, we build mountain bike. Certainly, we build mountain bike trails for mountain bikes, but we also build a lot of multi-use trails that are used by hikers, runners, equestrians, um, you know, people to get to, you know, go um geocaching and pick mushrooms and stuff like that so the you know we we are are identified as a mountain bike group but we certainly build different types of trails as well and the trails that you built and you maintain and work on and all that sort of stuff where are those in whatcom county so we do a little bit in Skagit County and on uh, Blanchard Mountain, and we helped with uh, recently con- kind of helping conserve 1,600 acres of co-acres there. Uh, moving north, we work on Larrabee State Park and in the Chuckanut Range, basically. We work with Larrabee State Park and also Whatcom County Parks has uh, are those two parcels of land. And as we head north, we go into Galworth Mountain, which is kind of what we're most famous for, and, and it's the big sort of mountain bike park, if you will, here in the area and uh, what gets a lot of notoriety. And then we've started working the last couple of years with Whatcom County Parks in another couple areas. One is on Lookout Mountain, which is directly east to Galbraith. And um, the plan there will be to put uh, an additional 47 miles of trail on Lookout. And that we're already tying the bottom of Lookout into the bottom of Galbraith on the Sudden Valley side of, of the hill. And, um, and then we started that this year. And last year we started across the lake on Stewart Mountain. So you access that off of the North Shore Road and you go up uh, um, uh, where the where the um, Lake Whatcom Park is, and then we helped build and route the trail called the Chantrail Trail. And this summer we'll be taking that trail further up the mountain. So we're already planning that and we're already scouting that. Currently, it exit it ends at a viewpoint where you get a great view of the lake and you look down. It's a it's about a um, I think it's about a three mile climb up right now. And we're going to take that further up the hill, and it'll be about the same grade as we go up, and then. Uh, we're, we're, we might be working on a downhill specific mountain bike trail as well, but we'll see how much we get done this year. So, and then, and then the other things we do, of course, is um, we uh, we uh, are building or we have built the Civic Dirt Jumps over by Civic Field, um, and then we built a, a, a bicycle pump track at Whatcom Falls um, Park, and we're in the currently um, in the planning phase of a uh, I'm going to project manage a. Um, an asphalt pump track that's to be built this this year, um, this summer at Cordata Park, a new park that's being built by the 
Bellingham Parks and Rec. And then we're going to be building a bicycle pump track and skills area at the um, waterfront with the Port of Bellingham at the old Georgia Pacific mill site. So, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then in 2020, we're going to build another pump track at Birchwood Park. So that'll serve the Woodhood neighborhood, uh, Cedarwood, Alderwood, or uh, Woodhood, basically, you know, Birchwood, Furwood, yeah. all that. So. All over the place. My goodness. <clears throat> yeah. That's So I want to get into that. So yeah. you're going to be part of the waterfront development. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird thing. The, what happens is when Georgia Pacific left in 2005, 2006, <clears throat> they sort of gave it over, right? And but there's all this cleanup that had to ha- happen. It's about roughly, I think, 70 acres total. Um, you know, the granary building that's happening right now—that's the first thing that's getting built. And then there's a plan for uh, three new buildings that'll be happening over the course of the next two years. And um, our plan is to—and those are going to be along the waterway, the water from right next to the, the new park that went in there called Waypoint Park. Um, so those are going to go in there. And then there's this area in the middle. And that area effectively will be the last area to be developed by their timeline currently. Of course, things could change. So the port wants to get some good activity down there. And they want to do stuff that attracts young people, families, people that, you know, that, that, will, that will be using it and be using it for good and, instead of, you know, some of the other nefarious things that happen down at our waterfront areas. And so they approached us. We have a good relationship with them. We've been talking to them about some other ideas for several years. And they approached us about designing and building up a, a kind of a bike park down there in this area that will effectively be handed over to City of Bellingham Parks Department. That timeline is TBD. Who knows? Um, the soonest estimate realistically is 10 to 12 years. So that is they're they're labeling it currently as a temporary pump track. It could be permanent depending on how the parks department views it in the next 10 years. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, if it's heavily loved and, and well-maintained and used enough, I think I think we'll figure out something, some way to fit something in there when the parks department is given this sliver of land that runs through the whole property. So that's where we're putting it. And it's in front of these big orange tile tanks. So it's right in front of there. So if people go know the waterfront, they'll see where it is. It's 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 right in front of those to the, um, I guess it would be to the north of those tile tanks. So, and we're looking at about a 20,000 square foot um, pump track and then a 20,000 square foot like skills area where we'll have like little skinnies that you can ride on to for balancing and little roll downs and little drops and little like rock moves you can do and we're even talking about having little signage that will kind of give you instructions on how to ride a certain feature so it's so people who whether you're a beginner intermediate or, or advanced person you can ride something and it'll kind of tell you a little bit about here's how you do this and here's how you balance and and that sort of stuff. So we'll have a little cool signage next to those features in the, in the skills area. And then uh, the coolest thing I think that we're gonna do is that from each ends of the parking lot, there's a new parking lot that's temporary that just pumped it, got put in. And then there's a road that's gonna go all the way through there. So there's Granary Road and then there's Laurel Road. And <clears throat> from each end of there, we're gonna actually have what we're calling a single track sidewalk. So it's gonna be like a pump track that takes you to the actual bike skills area. So you'll be able to ride a pump track into the actual pump track itself. And it'll and we're calling that a single track sidewalk. So that's gonna be a really cool feature that's gonna be put in there. And hopefully if all things go as planned, we'll have it in the summer. Wow, mm-hmm. this summer, mm-hmm. my goodness, that's yeah. crazy. Well, that's yeah. really cool Yeah, because I think, you know, and, and I want to dive into mountain biking in Whatcom County more yep. and kind of how it's grown and yep. what the history has been and all that kind of stuff. But as far as what I understand, I think that's a really, really interesting integration of this sport that's kind of become very iconically uh part of part of the outdoor culture in this area to be integrated into that waterfront so that's that's really cool yeah so why don't we go into that 
to what is the history of, of mountain biking and, and the using the hills for that sort of activity sure. Um, sure. going back? Yeah, so uh, let's talk, we'll go way back. So the the, the WIMPs, <clears throat> which is what the original name is for the WMBC, we used to, or the original name for the WIMPs was WIMPYs, actually, W-H-I-M-P-Y-S. And that's that stood for the Whatcom Independent Mountain Peddlers and Yo-Yos. And that was a name that was created by Jim Sullivan and a few of his friends back in the day. Jim Sullivan is known as Sully, and he's sort of the godfather of mountain biking and in, um, in Whatcom County. He moved to Galbraith Lane in 1978, and Sully's house effectively was Wimps HQ for many, many years, and people would meet there every Saturday. He, he has an espresso uh, um, repair business. He still does that down in California, and people would show up. He'd pour them shots of coffee and lattes and you know whatever they wanted, cappuccinos. They'd drink their coffee. They'd hang out, and then they would depart on a ride or go out and build trails on Galbraith. So, or even over on Chuck, or over on Patton. So, um, you know, so there's a long history there. And he, um, gosh, when did he leave town? I think Jim left, oh, 90s. I'm trying to remember 91 or something like that. He left town and he moved south uh, to be closer to his parents um, who were aging at the time. And um, and so it, that was sort of how the, it was this organic, kind of a ragtag group, frankly, you know, miscreants and people that just were just great folks a lot of them are still in the community um and 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 awesome folks and so that was sort of how it happened and so they would build trails and there was no agreements there was no you know relationships with land managers they would just go out and build trails you know there was no there was and there also certainly wasn't the, the the pressure the land there wasn't the population pressure and there wasn't the trail usage pressure so um at that time galbraith was owned by a company that still owns land in whatcom county but they were sort of a don't ask, don't tell sort of hands off land manager. So, you know, people would be up there riding dirt bikes and quads and, you know, they'd have parties up on Galbraith and, um, you know, people would dump their cars and garbage. And I mean, we just cleaned out a bunch of dishwashers and old washing machines a couple years ago during Earth Day that had still, I mean, we had been cleaning up the mountain for decades. I mean, really, we've got our last little batch the last couple of years, but um, there's now still only, there's a couple of remaining cars that are up there that we just can't pull out because they're just like 1970s steel and they weigh like 10,000 pounds. Even with our mini axe, we couldn't even budge them. So, um, so it kind of started with <clears throat> this dude who had a house. And yep. He's like, "Hey guys, let's go up to the hills." Yeah, let's just basically go up to the hills and make some trails and yeah. ride yeah, your yeah. bike and totally. And people just learned about Sully, and he's this very um, well. How would I describe Jim? Jim is a um, he's an inclusive guy. He's a real. I mean, he's he really wants to, he doesn't discriminate. He wants to get everybody out. He loves getting people on trails, on bikes, on whatever. And he, uh, you know, he's just, he's that type of guy. He's got this personality that people really kind of um, are attracted to him. And so uh, even to this day, even to this day, Jim's, Jim's that way. And uh, so anyways, yeah, people would meet at Sully's house and they'd go out for a ride. And sometimes I'd be over at Padden. <clears throat> so a lot of those trails that are over off Padden off the, the off of Samish Way were, were actually put in by the mountain bikers. All those trails that come in off Samish Way were, were originally built by the mountain bike community. Um, before there was even any parking there, they actually cut a, a hole in the chain link fence, fence and built steps up the bank and then would carry their bikes in and then they would walk in and then they'd start building a trail. And, and that now goes over to where the whole dog park area is at the back of the park and everything like that. So, um, yeah, and so that's really where the start of it came about. And then when Jim left, um, Mark Peterson, who works here in town at a nonprofit called Sustainable Connections, Mark then picked up the mantle when Jim left and really took – 
uh, took things to a new level. And, and he was our, I think he was our vice president of the WIMPs for five years, but then he was our president for 17 years. So Mark really just like kept it going. And um, in 2001, Mark actually got our very first stewardship agreement on Galbraith with the current owner, the owner at the time, Trillium Corporation who had purchased it um, just not not long before that. So Mark got that agreement going and we actually became the official stewards on the mountain where we had the authority to work on trails, build trails, that sort of stuff. Um, and we the only, different, the only thing that was the big stipulation for us was we had to follow certain standards, but beyond that, we also had to carry insurance. So we have a big uh, insurance policy in case you know something were, were to arise. And that's part of our, our agreement with the landowners even currently. So. Um, also went out on Chuckanut. There was a couple of people who lived on Chuckanut um, near near the bottom of the mountain, uh, and Galen Rockenbach, as an example, was was one of those people. I don't actually, I've never met Galen. He moved out of town before before I got here, but he built a bunch of the trails up on up on Larrabee State Park back in the day, and um, and and there's a whole there's a gaggle of you know um interesting trail builders from the from those eras ain't even this era i guess but uh who were out you know toiling in the woods doing their own thing and building trails and you know it, galbraith at the time when 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 we started our stewardship agreement and even well into it even even well in, into that whole process back in the 2000s you know it was this kind of disparate trail network because you would have a trail builder who'd be like oh i want to put a trail over there and it would just go from a to b and it didn't connect anything it was this weird like out in its own thing and we've really kind of focused on making the trail network like more you know better connectivity and thinking about what type of users we want to accommodate in certain areas and how we want to accommodate maybe downhill traffic versus uphill traffic on some trails and and you know think about how like the lower part of the mountain should accommodate beginners a little better because and kids because you're you have less fitness to get in those areas or less you know skill so we've moved the skill level as you go up the hill you add more skill level and you add you know kind of more features and things like that so basically creating a trail is kind of cutting a path through the woods yeah essentially yeah. and that's why yeah. all these people are just like i kind of want to have a path in the woods so i can go walk on totally. or ride on or something totally and so what the uh, organizations like your own, yeah. what they do is they add a little bit more thought to it, right. kind of like think about who yeah. a broader audience is, how to be a little bit more inclusive. For sure. And so instead of just cutting a path through the woods and just kind of seeing wherever it goes, it's kind of like thinking like, well, what is the whole map of of the, the mountain look like and how, how, how can we make it make sense more? Exactly. So, you know, we think about it a, a more holistic approach where, you know, let's pretend it's an access trail. You don't want to have jumps on an access trail, right? You want to have, have it be like, if it's your primary route on or off the mountain, you want it to be accommodating for all uses, right? You don't want to have it be a downhill jump trail. And so for those access trails, we think about, you know, two-way traffic, dog walkers, kids, hikers, bike riders riding up and down. You got to think about it in those perspectives and kind of go, okay, is this going to work for both directions? Is it going to work for all these uses? Um, you know, you don't want to have, you know, riders coming down speeding on, on, you know, some kids who are hiking with their dogs, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so we look at it from that standpoint and then, you know, and then we work, you know, and, and, and the, the reality is, and I started this own, my own way as a trail builder was, you build for yourself, you build for your friends, you know, you build the type of trail you want to build. You don't really think about how anybody else is going to utilize it. And we do that. And our builders, I would say still do that, but I'm, we make, we all sort of are, you know, a decade or two into this now. And we all think about like, well, how does that work with the mm. overall trail network? Yeah. And is it necessary? Is it redundant? Are we, uh, what need are we filling? 
You know, does it does it get you somewhere? Does it take you to a vista or a viewpoint? Does it get you from a trail to trail? That's cool. Yeah, like think about like does yeah. it take you by some really cool like glacial erratics or like nice. a cool old stump or yeah. things that like features that are really cool along the way. I see, I see. Okay, I'm kind of getting the the thought process down a little bit more. Like, yeah, so if we you're have building some, something, you're like, I really want to go by this thing, so let's add some thought, and let's have it end here, and yeah. let's have it connect to this. and Totally. As opposed to just being like, oh, let's start uh, cutting some trees back and just see where it goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, we spent a lot of time scouting before you ever even put a – uh, run your chainsaw or put, ever put a shovel on the ground. I mean, that's scouting is really where a trail is, is, you know, is it, it, a well-routed trail or sorry, a poorly routed trail is you can never truly, um, you're never going to make it great. I mean, you, you can put, it's, uh, you can put band-aids on it, but it's putting lipstick on a pig. Hmm. And so like a really well-routed trail is evident that somebody took a lot of time to think about how it goes, where it flows, things that make sense for the type of trail it is. So yeah, we we pride ourselves on that. That's cool. Yeah. So you you keep on using a phrase, and I think it's it's almost obvious what it means, but you keep on saying stewardship or we're stewards. Right. I let me let me define it as I understand it. Sure. You correct me. Yeah. S- other people own the mountain, logging companies, whatever else. Sure. You guys say, hey, we'd like to take care of this, and we'd like it to be awesome for people to use. Yes. You get the agreement. They say, right. yeah, that sounds good. Right. You might have some standards that they put into place that you kind of have to follow. Maybe if they need to log it again in 15 or 20 years. Yep. But ultimately, you're kind of the people that are on the mountain using it, and they're cool with that. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And that's that's whether it's Walking Falls Pump Track, a trail in Chuck and a Galbraith Mountain, or a trail that you know we've we built and we've said we'll take on and we'll be responsible for it. You know, I mean, that's really the, the gist of it is we, we take it seriously. You know, we we're responsible for the, you know, the upkeep and the maintenance and keeping riffraff off the mountain and things like that, 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 you know, garbage isn't, isn't happening and, you know, being good neighbors, right. We have access points where we come through neighborhoods. And so that's, I, we do a lot of like things that are, that I would consider us as being good stewards that have nothing to do with trails, like interacting with the neighbors and making sure that like, you know, the interactions with the biking or hiking or running community is going well. So those are just as important for us in a lot of ways, because if you start to upset those neighbors and they start getting up and armed, you know, then you're creating bad blood and nobody wants that. Mm -hmm. So um yeah and so we we take it we take it seriously and i think it shows because like the local land managers really rely on us and they trust us and that's taken a long time to gain and and we we certainly don't want to lose that yeah that's really cool yeah so i mean obviously you started and you started just listing off we're doing this we're doing this we built that we built that i mean it just creating playgrounds all over yeah whatcom county skagit county just creating more awesome places for people to experience mountain biking and you keep on using phrases like pump tracks and asphalt tracks and it's just different types of riding experiences totally for different ages and different audiences yeah well and i mean i think the one thing that um a lot of people think especially if you ride galbraith enough you see these people on all these you know on all level of bikes right i mean truly <clears throat> but you have a lot of high-end riders, right, and with a lot of expertise, and they're riding expensive mountain bikes and stuff like that. And the nice thing about building infrastructure like pump tracks is that it actually a, a pump track can be ridden on any type of bike, but specifically, it actually rides better on a not a high-end mountain bike. You actually want to have like a kid with a a cheap BMX bike 
will have we can ride a pump track just as well as somebody with this fancy high-end like dirt jump style bike i mean you you can actually ride it on any style bike and the lower end bikes actually ride a pump track better so like from the standpoint of getting kids on bikes the accessibility for a pump track especially like where we're trying to put them in neighborhoods where kids can ride to them you know the barrier to entry if you First of all, if your parents are at work all the time, and then let's say you're a single, you have a single parent, and they have multiple jobs, and they're you know you're a latchkey kid, and you come home from school, and you're stuck at home. What do you do nowadays? You sit there, and you st- you play on your Xbox, or you play on your laptop, or your uh, iPad, or your phone. And w- what we're trying to do is put these pump track facilities in neighborhoods where you know you you get home. You get on your BMX bike or heck, you ri- you go right from school on your bike and you ride over and you hook up with your buddies. The great thing about, I like going to Whatcom Falls Pump Track on, um, on like early release, they have this thing in town called Early Release Thursdays. And you go there on Early Release Thursdays and the thing's teeming with like teenagers. Yeah. You know, like these kids are riding their bikes on te- and there's kids playing basketball and there's kids, you know, just hanging out in the park. But there's always like, you know, 20 or 30 kids at the pump track. And you're like, this is cool. This is something that teenagers didn't have access to. And I think that's a kind of a forgotten demographic. Yeah. You know, you go to a park and there's playgrounds, right? Yeah. You're 13, 14 years old. You don't want to play on a playground. You're yeah, so over that's that. That's little kids. Well, it's little kids and it's, it is. I mean, they even say five to 12 years old. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> so the reality is it's not really fun even for 12 year olds probably. I mean, at some point you kind of get over that playground mentality. And so you want to do something different. Most kids have a bike, you know, or, or have access to a bike. And especially with those types of facilities close to neighborhoods, I mean, I think it's critical to be able to give them something they can ride to from house. My daughter, is, who's, a, who's a first grader, can ride from my house to Walker Falls Pump Track, and I can let her ride there by herself with her friends. And I usually end up driving around or riding, coming behind them and meeting them. I don't let her just hang out there by herself because she's a little young still. But I have no qualms with her riding over there. She can ride there safely. She knows the route. She's not going to get hit by a car. And I know where she's going. And I know she's going to be riding the pump track with her friends. And she, and you know, like I said, I'm, I'm not letting her hang out there for hours and hours. But the reality is, I trust that she can do that. And I think that's the thing that a lot of parents are lacking these days is the ability to go, I know my kid's going to be safe over there going over there to play at this facility. And they're taking their bike and they're going to meet their friends. And that's the cool thing is I've kind of developed these relationships with some of these like, you know, eighth graders and seventh graders who I see there all the time riding and they're really good kids, you know, and you, and you got to think like when you're a seventh or eighth grader, what do you have to do that, you know, that's fun after school? I mean, nowadays I really feel like so many kids are stuck on the, on a device that, you know, we need to be focused on getting them off their couches and off their butts and out in the, out on the, you know, out on the bikes or doing something outside, mm-hmm. you know? So, and access to that sort of a, of a, of a facility is I think easy. You know, the biggest thing is just getting kids outside nowadays. And there's so much lip service given to that. And um, I don't want it to be lip service. I want it to basically be like we're doing something that is getting kids out. I think that's one of the things that I'm most proud of is our youth programs because we've been doing we've been kind of doing these after school bike clubs for the last, I want to say five to seven years. I really I should know exactly the, the number on that. But they've every year we've added a few and we've added a few. And this year we have 20. So, and, and, not, and most of them are affiliated with a certain school, but we have a couple that are actually like Bellingham wide. So we have a gr- girls group called the Flying Squirrels and it's girls from ages third grade to fifth grade or third grade to sixth grade. And last year they had 35 girls out riding 
I mean, just bursting at the seams. And we have another uh, high school group that, again, it's it's they were part of a race team, but they f- they realized that this year they did racing for the last several years. But the kids, basically, from the feedback was they just want to go out and shred. They don't want to go out and do races. The races, frankly, unfortunately, are a little boring for them. Their our level of technical riding up here versus what a cross country race course looks like is it's kind of tame by comparison. So these kids really want to go hit jumps and ride hard and all this stuff. And so they decided this year we paired back the racing. Some kids will still do racing, but we're not going to be. That's not going to be the focus of the of this group, the high school group. That's just going to be a let's go out and shred group. So um, yeah, and, and I mean, last night we had as an example, we had a we had this ride leader certification going on, and we have four of these coming up in the next month uh, for the spring programs and. Um, I think there were 49 people there last night. So 49 ride leaders that were at our meeting last night. And these people are all helping at our various um, elementary school, middle schools, and high schools. And that wasn't everybody. We have over 60 people who are volunteering to do this. I mean, these are teachers. These are parents. Um, you know, these are some of our educators. Uh, so it's great. I mean, it's, it's cool to have that. I mean, that's going to be each group is somewhere between 20 to 35 kids. So that's that's a lot. You know, that's going to be impacting a lot of kids this year. You know, if we have 20 of those, that's, you know, 400 plus at least. So... Yeah, my group, my daughter's class last year was 22, and we had to cut it off because we just didn't have enough ride leaders. This year, we're adding three more ride leaders to our program, so it should make it a lot better. So basically, the club is like, on these certain days, we're all going to go out and we're going to ride. So yeah, exactly. I mean, as an example, our club goes out on Tuesday. We meet from 3.30 to 5.30, and we ride Galbraith. We ride Walking Falls Pump Track. Um, We start sort of slow, and we kind of ramp it up as we go because you have varying levels. Some kids are like they've been riding since they were three and they're already riding really well and some kids are like new to riding and so we kind of break up into skill by skill level and we kind of you know not really not really age as much as skill but um and so it's great it's super fun and it's great for these kids to interact with each other and also great other grade members you know grades of their schools so because we'll have a fifth grader hanging out with a first or second grader so it's pretty cool and there's um good camaraderie and the parents are all awesome and you know, I mean, it's fun. It's a really good way to do it. And we do it for six to eight weeks, depending on the group. Some go, some go in fall as well. So it uh, depends on the commitment from the teachers or the parents. But yeah, we support that. And it's, it's a really cool deal. And we'd like to expand it, frankly, into other parts of the county. It's just, it's difficult because our riding locations are all like Bellingham centric. So if you factor in transportation, then that's a whole different thing for parents to have to transport from Linden or Ferndale down to our area. So are there not different trails to ride in Ferndale and Linden? There, there are like, you could ride like a Hovander Park and stuff like that. They're just flat sort of gravelly trails, you know, kind of more like, um, you know, kind of not as exciting as, as, as we really want to do. And we could do that. That would be something we could do in the future as, as we've kind of discussed. Again, it's like you want it to be at close proximity to those schools. The further you go, the higher the barrier to entry, right? So, um, and we're blessed, you know, in Bellingham, a lot of the schools even have like the interurban trails near them. So you've got 65 miles of interurban trail, those gravel trails that wind all over everywhere. So a lot of schools, probably the majority of them have some access to some of those. So it's one of those things where the infrastructure is in place already, right, for us. You know, we've got, we've got Galbraith close. We've got the pump tracks we're developing. We've got the Greenways trails that have been built over the last 30 years. So it's kind of we've kind of got a big leap on everybody. Um, we we do want to do some sort of you know pump track or some sort of a skills area in, in you know in Blaine, Linden, Ferndale area in the future. It just really is going to take the you know we're going to have to work with those communities to to get those to happen. Yeah, yeah. And so 
just to define it, pump track. Yeah. What's a pump track? A pump track is a, um, it's a closed circuit, so meaning it, it doesn't have like a start and a finish. Like a BMX track, right? A BMX, you have a start gate and then you have a finish where you're trying to race somebody. Uh, pretend that you took that BMX track and you took those two ends and you tied them back together. So you ride around this loop and it could be a loop, it can be a figure eight, it can be all sorts of things. And the idea is to generate speed without pedaling. And what you do is you actually, on, across the pumps, which are undulations, you know, which we build up and down. So you, you actually pull up on the face of them and you push down on the backside of them. And when you do that, that's what we refer to as pumping. And you actually generate speed as you go along those undulations. And so you can get going quite fast actually when you're, when you're pumping. And if you're like, if you're, as you get proficient and actually as you get a little more fit, cause you start getting, it's, it's actually a pretty good workout. And, um, and so you just, you know, we typically, not all pump tracks, but usually you have like a start ramp, which is at Walking Falls, we have a pretty good size start mound. And so you do a roll in first and that's what generates your initial speed. And then it's on you to keep the speed going as you go. And I mean, you can do all sorts of combinations of, of, of piecing different sections of the track. So there's crossovers where you can be going this way and then you can cross over and come back on that same section. And, and uh, yeah, it's good. It's, it teaches it as well, besides sort of like getting you fit because it is a workout. It teaches you bike handling skills. Pumping is actually something you can do on trails to help generate speed when you're riding. Um, it teaches you cornering, good balance. So it's a, it's a really good skills uh, skill builder. Plus, they're just super fun. The barrier to come in on a, on a pump track is really low. Because if you aren't good at pumping, you just go slower. If you go faster as you start to pump, then you can start stuff like you can do stuff as you like. Instead of pumping from pump to pump, you know, from the, from the peak to peak, you start doubling them up and jumping them. So as you start generating speed, you then start doubling and then you can double. And then as you start doubling, you really start gaining a lot of speed. Wow. Yeah. We're fortunate. We have um, one of my friends is arguably the best women's pump track rider in the world. It lives here and, and her name is Jill Kittner and, and uh, she lives on the other side of Walking Falls. So she's a big proponent for these and she's been really helpful with dealing with the parks, helping with the parks department and folks getting them on board with it. I mean, she's... She is the probably arguably the best women's pump tracker in the whole world. So, and she's a, I mean, she's a bronze medalist in the Beijing Olympics in BMX. So she's got the cred. She's won two world titles. So she's uh, in mountain biking. So she's she's legit. And um, and so having her and her husband, who's also a professional mountain biker, right at Walking Falls, was a huge bonus. And she helped with the design and the layout and stuff like that. And actually, it's some of the initial funding for it too. Interesting. <clears throat> so, do we have a lot of famous bikers around here yeah we have a few we have a few yeah we have a few yeah and they kind of were they did they grow up here and this is kind of the environment that kind of bred them or is this kind of just where they landed or you know um most of them landed here you know for the riding and, and stuff like that yeah we have a few uh, you know, we have like Jill who, who rides for, you know, as a professional and her husband, Brynn are both professionals. I mean, they raced professionally for 20 years and, and they have, and they're, and they're, they're amazing. And she's Jill won queen of Crankworks the last three years, which Crankworks is an event in Whistler, but Crankworks actually has a world tour. They have many events around the world and she's won that that tour and what's called the queen of crankworks she's won that i think three or four years in a row now i think three um so she's 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 kind of like real high level Bryn, her husband is real high level spencer paxson who rides for kona um he's real high level i mean we have and then we just have we have we have those guys who are kind of like superstars in the mountain biking world but then we have 
people like Lars Sternberg and and um, Stephen Ettinger and Mar- Shams March and yeah, we have we have some really big time rad riders um, for sure. So and so they, it's okay. So you said basically a lot of the times they didn't start out around here. They landed here. Yeah, they for moved the here. Riding. Yeah, they moved here for the riding. Yeah. So the, are you? Is this area recognized for this sort of thing? Is it? Does it yeah. have a reputation? For sure, definitely. Yeah, we we are uh, we're definitely on the radar as far as you know some of the best riding in the country and in the world for that matter and. Uh, it's been, you know, it's been a slow burn, right? It's not an overnight thing. A lot of people think like, oh, you know, we've been kind of on the map, but you know, Kona bikes has been here for a long time and that sort of helped get us a little bit of notoriety. Um, they're out of Ferndale and they've been here for, oh geez, at least 20 years, probably longer. Um, they're, I mean, they've been in business for over 30, I think. So, but, uh, so we, you know, we have, we have these great trail networks and the accessibility from town is really, I think, important too. You know, you, you get here and then it's like, you can ride your bike to Chuckanut or Galbraith or, and pretty soon to look out and that's the other area. So that's, I think really, really appealing. Um, and then, you know, we've got, we've got this really great trail building community who's just kind of voracious and always wanting to do more and build more. And so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's, there's, we get sort of these accolades and we get these awards essentially. And, you know, if you look at, I'll give you an example, there's a, there's an app that mountain bikers use called Trail Forks and Trail Forks is if I go to like Whistler and I'm going to go ride my bike, I use this app to try to find some trails and I use it all the time. Um, and, and it's, and it's used around the world. It's, it's more pop. It's obviously more popular in the, in the Northwest because, it's it's based out of Squamish, but nevertheless, it's used worldwide. And um, you know, if you look at the trails in Washington State on trail forks, the top three trails in Washington State on trail forks are are in Galbraith. So, and there's a national website called SingleTracks.com. And for like the last five years years in a row, Galbraith has been named the best mountain biking place in Washington State. So, I mean, we get we're on those lists all the time. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. I mean, I think it's deserved. We, we certainly have the community and, you know, I mean, I don't know how many bike shops are in town now. I'd say 12, I think. I think the, it's, we're almost one-to-one with breweries now. I think there's 13 to 12. I think that those go hand in hand. Like if you go to Bend, it's kind of the same thing. Mm. If you go to Asheville, North Carolina, it's kind of the same thing. Mm. The, <laughs> the bike, the brew, brewery kind of ratio is kind of always tends to be one-to-one. But, you know, and then we have, like I said, we have um, Kona that's been here a long time. Uh, transition bikes who have moved up from Seattle for the trails as well back in gosh um, they've probably been in town 12 years now I would say because they moved up here a couple years before I did and then evil bikes just moved here and they just moved to Fairhaven I don't know if you've seen their facility or not but uh, they're down off Harris Avenue down in down in uh, right by the waterfront and uh, evil yeah they just moved up from seattle and they brought 14 employees with them and they're going to be hiring more people here and they're growing like crazy and so yeah i mean they they intentionally moved up here to get out of seattle and avoid that they're they're i mean i won't put words in kevin walsh's mouth but they were over the city and traffic and having to drive to trails and cost of living and all the things and they were you know they wanted to be closer to the trails so and they recognize that this area is kind of would you say this is Washington's mountain biking mecca? I I mean I don't want to say I don't want to sound boastful, but I would say it is. Yeah. 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 Are you seeing a lot of people travel here to bike our trails? Is this a is this bringing people in? For sure, there's definitely a big economic impact. Um, if all you have to do is to to note that is is really go look at go on a sunny not even sunny just go 
to uh, the Galbraith Lane parking lot on a on a weekend or on um, or in the summer, anytime during the summer. And there's you know you see plates from Utah and California and North Carolina and you know Colorado and BC and Alberta and yeah, people are coming here to ride our trails for sure. And that's and that's been happening for a while and that's been increasing uh, more and more. So yeah, that's amazing. Well, I do you know before we kind of wrap things up, I do want to get into a little bit of mountain bike culture because yeah. I know that there's things like ski culture and surf culture sure. and yeah. when you go down to Hood River you there's like kiteboarding and you yeah. know all that sort of yeah, so surfing. What is what is mountain bike culture like? Like if you were to get into that group and you were to hang out up there and you were to get it, you know, what's that all about? Yeah, you know, I mean they're pretty hardy individuals, especially if you ride and live up here because you know, as you know Keith, it's it rain, rains quite a bit. <laughs> so yeah, there's this culture of, of, you know, our community is really cool because a lot of people like myself have moved here for that community and moved here for the trails. And so there's this real cool culture of giving back and volunteering for events. Like there's, we put on races and we put on events. I'm, I'm turning volunteers away. Like almost every event we do, I'm like, I'm, I've got a waiting list for people that want to volunteer on stuff, you know, and that's, I mean, there's so many nonprofits that would give their left arm for that. And, and, and even mountain bike organizations that would give, give their, you know, we have this event called Shoot the Trails where if we could, if we could put 400 people more into that event, we would, they would fill it. But, you know, we have a limit on because of the venue we use and, and we love the venue. It's just, it's a little too small, but we packed that place with 800 people. And then we have a, you know, a waiting list for people on tickets. So, you know, we have this really involved community that really want, really want to help out. I think kind of like with our example about like ride leaders, all these parents want to help out. They want to ride with their kids. And that's the other thing that, you know, you have the people who have moved to town like myself. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm having a family and I've got a seven-year-old and I ride with my seven-year-old and I ride with kids. And that's the other thing is like the next gen around here is going to be berserker because, the kids are riding at such high levels. The teens that I know that I've known for a long time that are in like, you know, sophomore, junior, seniors of high school, they are so much better bikers than me now. Like so much. They're they're so good. <laughs> it's funny because I, I've known these kids for a long time and you know, you know when they're tiny and they don't really have the strength to climb up to the top of the mountain. And now they're all like six foot something and they're like doing three sixties on their bikes and stuff like that in the air. And you're like, what the heck just happened? When did you, when did you get that good? And, you know, I think the, the culture though is, um, and I think if you were going to define our culture here, uh, you would, it, that would be part of it. I think you would say, you know, we're, we've got this community that's really vibrant and, and we show up to meetings. Like we're having a meeting tomorrow night. I'm sure I'll see 50 or hundred people from the mountain bike community at that meeting tomorrow night to talk about trail planning down at Chuckanut. And, uh, and we show up to those and people are really, you know, really interested in that. And I think whether it's going out and digging, that's the other thing that we have is we have this community of like, you know, we have build days, depending on what it is, you know, 50 people show up, you know, it's like, you've got to have your stuff together to be able to navigate 50 people on a trail day. And we get a lot of stuff done on those days, amazing amounts of work done. And what, again, kind of back to my other point is those parents and folks are bringing their kids and those kids are learning sort of like, Hey, these trails don't maintain themselves, right? These trails don't just pop up magically and these trail gnomes pop out of the woods at night and, and sprinkle fairy dust and make these trails happen. It's done through a lot of grit and hard work and sweat and, and being out in the rain and, uh, you know, in the cold and kind of, you know, making it through it. And, and I think, I think that sort of is, is, is our defining sort of piece about our community is that, 
those folks that really aren't afraid to roll their sleeves up and dig, dig in and help out on trail days or at events or any way show up to a meeting, you know, make those make them their voices heard where they where they need to make them heard. Um, you know, I think we we've uh, we've evolved and we've matured as an organization. You know, the professionalism that having a staff really does and bring. And the other thing that it, it does is allows us to look further out. You know, I can look. I'm looking at projects five to seven years out now. You know, and you know, as a volunteer, you just don't. You're looking at the thing that's right in front of you. That's just the reality. But I, you know, I I would say if I were to define our culture, it's this absolute thirst for giving back to the community and and being a part of it. And, and not just being not I, I call the term is takers. Takers are people that just ride their bikes all the time, never get back, never do, never pick up a shovel. And some people say I'm not going to do that because I'm going to donate some money. Cool, whatever. A lot of people donate money and then they also throw some dirt, and that's cool too. So I mean, I'm really, really proud of this community and proud to be a part of this community. And and uh, you know, we I think we we have we have a bright future in the county and 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 in the, you know Bellingham and, and hopefully in the in the north part of the county and the east part of the county because we have some stuff happening in the east part of the county near Deming in the near future. And that's the other thing is we want to support more of those rural communities and be able to, you know, when you start start talking about tourism dollars, not just have to have them be defined by Bellingham and be Bellingham centric, like focus on like, hey, what, how can we help out with Deming and Maple Falls? And, you know, by putting these really cool trail networks out there that does bring not only tourism in the form of Bellingham, but also tourism from the sense, you know, from like Seattle, Bel uh, Vancouver, and people from around the, around the, beyond Washington State. So, you know, there's that aspect, you know, some of these communities are hurting, you know, and they need, they, they, any sort of an injection into the community is important in my opinion. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. I've really enjoyed talking to you and learning. I think there's just so much going on, so much you guys are doing. How would somebody learn more about the WMBC? Well, I mean, first and foremost, you go to our website. Um, that's probably the easiest way, and that's www.wmbcmtb, so mountainbikemtb.org. And or just um, like us on Facebook or Instagram. Um, you can subscribe to our email list. Um, there's multiple ways to interface with us. And, uh, you know, if you have a question, you can always just um, there's a contact form on our website. Shoot us an email. We're usually pretty responsive to those and so, get back to you within um, a day or two. You know, that's the easiest way. And then we have a, a Google calendar so you can track what's going on. If you have Gmail, you can if I don't know, folks sometimes don't realize this, you can subscribe to a calendar and that can autofill you know, what's coming up and you can say decline or accept and then you can add it to your own Gmail calendar. So that's a nice easy way to do it. Most people have a Gmail account these days. So, um, and that's one easy way or you can just look at it and the calendar's on our website. So, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you again. Yeah, thanks Keith, appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Neighbor to Neighbor, a community-driven conversation highlighting individuals and organizations making an impact in our community. Neighbor to Neighbor is produced by WeQ. Unless specifically stated otherwise, WeQ does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast, and information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement.